0: Always a delight to be with all of you uh, here and those who are our friends from on the Internet. And, Lord, let's just a quick prayer before we begin the message. Lord, the word that has already been preached through the worship songs, through the prayers, and now through the message, I ask you, Lord, that it do exactly what you had determined in your holy mind that it do this morning. In all of us here, starting with me. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 About 10 years ago, Roberto and I started, embarked on, a, on the biggest renovation project in our old home. And it was what we did was we had to renovate the basement, to turn it into a pleasant living space. Before this renovation, it was a very ugly place. As a matter of fact, we called it the dungeon. It was humid, dark, ugly. That's where everything that didn't have a place upstairs in our apartment ended, before it went to Goodwill. Suppose that many of you have a place like that in your homes as well. It was so ugly that our daughters didn't even want to go there by themselves. So that gives you an idea. So when we embarked in this, we, we didn't know what we were getting into. First of all, we had to demolish the old foundation. Then we had to dig deeper as it turns out, the, the house is 100 years old, or it was at that point, now it's even older. And when the code in the moment that when it was built was you had to dig four feet deep. Now it was eight feet. So imagine, we had to dig even deeper in the foundation after demolishing, demol, demolishing the old foundation. And we also found out in the process that we needed a blueprint from an engineer specializing in foundations. And after that, we had to take that design to the, the, the city's building inspection department so it would approve it. So then, many thousands of dollars, as well as many months, and many pounds of dirt removed by hand, we had a new, found- we had a, the It was prepared to then build the new foundation. It took a long time to build. And the process was not rushed. The foundation, the resulting foundation is solid and, you know, a, a very useful foundation for our home. We didn't rush because we needed to follow the blueprints exactly as it was designed by the engineer. And when we did this process, we realized how inadequate our previous foundation was. We had no idea. But when we embarked in this process, we discovered what a bad foundation we had had before. So the firm foundation that we have now, uh, it doesn't allow humidity to sip in. It makes the house very stable because it bears the weight of the house much better it has been anchored against natural forces and it you know what it, even it did it was it allowed us to even the floors upstairs before we could you know maybe some of some old houses when you you put a, a ball in one end and it goes down to the other end because it's slanted it it, it fixed even the slant in the floors. <laughs> and it has allowed us to build a useful and attractive space that we can actually use. Before, it, was, it only pointed out, it, it embarrassed us. That was all that space did. But now it, was, it became useful and you know, attractive space for us to enjoy. So it took much time and effort to build a foundation. But every minute, every dollar spent was worth it. And the thing is that when people stand outside of the home and look to the, to the house, to our house, they don't say, oh, wow, what a wonderful foundation this house has. How beautiful, how sturdy. No, but they can benefit from the results of a firm foundation. And today, I invite you to listen and to meditate on a parable where Jesus points our attention to our uh, the foundation of a house, or to our foundation, our life foundation. And this is a story of two builders, and it's found in Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 to 29. So I want you to look at this story and think about your own foundation think about your marriage foundation think about your family's foundation think up about all of those as we read and meditate on this word Um, and this when the first verse says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine that's the first line of this passage and we're going to stop right there because Obviously, Jesus is talking about something he has already said, something he, did, he said before. And, of course, we know that the parable of the two builders is at the end of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And that's where, in the Sermon on the Mount, is where we find the Beatitudes. The, even the Lord's Prayer is included there in Matthew. Uh, there are... Um, Different teachings about character, about relationships, even about spiritual disciplines like, like prayer and fasting. So there's a lot, a lot of teaching in the Sermon of the Mount. So I, I encourage you to read it uh, today, you know, this week. That would be a wonderful reading for you. And that's only to mention a few. Jesus taught many other things in, this, in the Sermon of the Mount. So the parable of the two builders is at the end of the Sermon of the Mount. It's like the conclusion. Like to tap it, cap it all, uh, the sermon, that's, it's the parable of the two builders. And we read in verse, again, starting in 24, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So I see three similarities in these two builders. The first one is that they both have a dream. They both have a goal. They both want to build a house. We have to assume that both wanted a nice, sturdy house in which their families could live for a long time and be safe in the house. It's like, you know, we, we all start our marriages, uh, any journey of life, we started, our families, we started believing that we are going to have success, that it's going to be a good thing, but that, that what we are investing is going to yield a good result. No one ever starts something like that thinking that they're going to fail, right? So they both had a dream, the same way that we have dreams in our lives. The other thing is that both men heard the teachings of the Lord himself. They both had been exposed to the truth. They both had heard solid teaching. And we're not, so in this passage, we're not comparing a Christian with someone who has, no, no, has not been exposed to the truth of the gospel. We could say, you know, that both of these men went to an evangelical church they went to discipleship, and they might have even uh, ministered in, participated in some ministry. So, and the other similarity is that both builders faced the same storms, the same trials and tribulations. So, those are the three similarities between these two builders. However, this is where the similarities end, because we are told. That one was a wise man or a wise builder, and the other one was a fool or a foolish builder. And the Bible talks a lot about wise and foolish people. I'm just going to give you a very quick sample. The Ecclesiastes 2.14 says, The wise can see where they are going, but fools walk in the dark. Another uh, verse... uh, Comparing those two things, Proverbs thirteen sixteen, wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. And the last uh, sample is in Proverbs 14:1 that says, the wise woman builds her house but with her own hands the foolish one tears her, hers down. So those are only three simple, you know, all from from the Old Testament that compare a foolish person with a wise person. So according to the Bible, a wise person is one that applies biblical truth to life's realities on a daily basis. It's the person that makes decisions, be it small decisions, big decisions, First considers what the, what the word of God says about that topic and then acts on the wisdom of God. That's what a wise decision is according to the Bible. And a fool is someone that knowingly or carelessly refuses to consider and apply biblical truth to their daily lives, you know, to their decisions, the, to the way they do things. So it's it's very clear, there's a very clear disti- distinction between what a wise person is and a foolish person is. So then the question is, what made one of the builders wise and the other a fool? It all had to do with the foundation. The foundation is where everything begins. Have you ever seen someone build the walls and put, in, put in windows before they build a foundation of the house? Of course not, but that would be foolish to do that. Everything that we put in the structure of a house, first, it starts with a foundation. It depends on the foundation of the house. That's just a very clear concept. Our daughter and son-in-law, they're at present, they're engaged in building a house. They call it their faith house. And their vision of this house is that it would be the house where they will continue to raise their children, where they will welcome uh, their spouses, where they will welcome grandchildren and even great-grandchildren, and where they will grow all together. That's their vision of their faith house. And for a long time, it was hard for them to see that the builders were making any progress they, you know, as most people do when they're building something, they went by on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, they, they took pictures of the house. But no, no change was apparent for a long, long time. However, what was really happening was that extreme care was being put in digging dip, deep, preparing the soil, and building the foundation. And something that they did that was very beautiful was that they placed a Bible under the foundation of the house and wrote verses in the walls as the walls are being, are, were still open. They wrote verses that were meaningful to them as a family. And I want to share with you also that when, when we built this sanctuary, we also put a Bible in the foundation of this, of this building. And the idea was, is find, found in Ephesians 2, where it says, Christ Jesus himself, being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. That is the foundation of this church. Our only foundation is the word of God. So Jesus said that the wise man built on the rock. And, you know, just sometimes our impression is that this wise man went looking around to see where he could find a flat rock surface. Perhaps... Luke's version of the Bible, of this parable, can help us understand what really happened. In Luke 6, verses 47 and 48, it says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. That's what Luke says about this same parable. Jesus knew that in Israel, it was common to find bedrock under the soil. soil. So a wise builder would put in the time and effort to dig down deep until he found bedrock. That's what he did. He would then drill on the rock to establish a firm foundation for his house. This is the wise man. On the other end, a foolish builder built his house on the sand. And in Israel, droughts are a common occurrence. Every year, there are droughts. And what happens is that the, the ground gets very dry. And it's so dry that it hardens. It looks like a firm Soil, you know, a place where you could build, that's how firm it gets with, with being dry. But there is also a season in Israel of rain and there are even uh, uh, flash floods. And to this day, that exactly, that's exactly what happens. There are still flash floods in Israel. And this foolish man did not invest his time and his effort in digging deep. He wanted a quick solution. He wanted a cheap solution, something that would come on you know, fast so he could have his dream house built. So again, both men started with the same dream. They had similar knowledge, but they f- built on different foundations. And the interesting thing is that most probably on the outside, they looked very similar. Very similar houses. Very uh, nothing really distinguished one from the other. And the parable says in Matthew uh, verses uh, Matthew seven verses 25 and 27. It says the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Until then, the houses, the lives, the marriages, the families seemed very similar. But in response to the storms, one did not fall, right? It says, while the other one fell with a great crash. So what this teaches us is that it's the storm that, the storm is what exposes the reality of our foundation. And we all know we will experience storms in our lives. And Jesus said in, in John, the Gospel of John, verse uh, chapter 16, it says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I have seen so many brothers and sisters that have weathered terrible storms in life and still remain standing once the storm stopped. On the other end, I have also seen many that things seems to be, seem to be all right on the outside. But when the storms of life, when trials came, where tribulations came, there, there was disaster because there was a weak foundation. So I've seen both. It's a, it's a reality in our lives. And the interesting thing is that we are all building something. If, even if there were a three-year-old here with us, That three-year-old is building something. We are all building something. Not one person here is excluded from this reality. What are we building? We're building our individual lives, our schooling, our marriage, our motherhood, our fatherhood, our family, our career, our finances, our spiritual disciplines. We are building in every area of our lives. We are all building. So the question is, On top of what foundation are you building? On top of what foundation am I building? Because according to the parable, there are only how many choices? Two choices. Yeah, two choices we have only. We can build wisely, acting on the word of God, or we can be foolish and build on our own opinions and preferences as we many times just give God lip service. And sometimes we even mix in verses in there with our own personal philosophies that we have made ourselves. So that's foolish building. If we want a strong foundation, we cannot just, the word says, we cannot be just hearers of the word. We need to be doers of the word. And we find that in in James 1.22 it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says." In other words, be a doer. So I encourage you to dig deep in the Bible, take time to be part of a discipleship class, seek community with others. So many learning happens in community with other believers, because then we are accountable to others as well. Read, choose one book of the hundreds of books that are out there about uh, you know, marriage and family life, uh, you know, spiritual discipline. There's so, so much good material at our hands. Even, even if you don't have a book, you can just go to Google something and you will find wonderful articles on how to live the Christian life. And as you acquire spiritual knowledge, immediately put it into practice, walking humbly in faith knowing that the Lord backs you up. Again, we don't, we're not only hearers, we're also doers of his word. And you don't need to have a PhD in theology, by no means. Remember that what we are all called to is to embrace the simple message of the gospel, to live it out, and, and to bring others into that same knowledge and doing of the word of God. It's very simple. A child can do that. It's very, very simple. And there's a verse in that, that speaks about the heart of God. It's, it's in Deuteronomy 529. It says, oh, that this is God speaking to his uh, people. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. That's the heart of God for us and for our families. So in your home, take time to train your children in the, in the Word of God. And if you don't have children, you, prob- you might have nephews, nieces, neighbors, even children in the church. Make it alive. Make the Word of God alive and sweet to them, so as you incorporate it into daily life, so that, that it's not something, the Word of God is something that we do in a building when we go on Sundays. It has to be a daily happening. It, it has to interact with our daily life and with the way we carry out our relationships, the way we make decisions, it's all related. That's where it needs to be, to become alive, to, to, especially to the younger generation. Because they are observing, and they are, they're going to capture what you, what you model for them. Share God's uh, principles on many different topics like uh, uh, forgiveness, peacemaking, on the consequences that our words have. On judging character in order to choose good friends. Uh, good friends that are, you know, good friends for them. On how to love one another by the way we serve them. So everything, everything that we, we uh, base on the word of God becomes alive for them. Tell them how much God delights and loves them. You know, that's a great message. So they don't become, they, they don't think of a God that's far away, but the, a God that's right there with them. Teach them to also present their gratitude and their petitions to the Lord themselves. Not only don't do the fishing for them, also teach them to fish. Our two preschool granddaughters, they, they pray on the way to, to preschool every day. And the, the prayers that they elevate, you know, they're of gratitude of what God has, has means in their lives. They pray also, one of the things that they do is they pray for wisdom in making good decisions that day. And that their parents will make good decisions, that their brother uh, who, who loves basketball will make good decisions even in his game and in his life as he relates to his friends. And it has gotten to a a point where even when they hear a siren of an ambulance or a fire truck, they call out the family, let's pray together. Someone is in need and needs our prayer. So those are things that are, where do they happen? They don't happen at church, they happen in their daily lives. So it's something that we can model for them. So digging deep down in God's word to establish a firm foundation is not easy. I'm not going to fool you thinking, you know, letting, saying that it's, going, that it's an easy endeavor. It is not. It requires sacrifice. The same way that we had that, you know, issue with our basement that required a big investment of everything that we had, building a strong foundation in our lives is, is hard work. It means sacrifice. It doesn't happen accidentally which means that it has to be intentional every day of our lives. Because Satan will make any att- every attempt possible to deceive you and so that you just let go and that you submit to the, to the culture around you of materialism, humanism, uh, sensual pleasures, all of those things that surround us every day. That's what Satan wants us to do, just to to let go and submit to his plans rather than to the word of God. There's a a verse in Isaiah 5, 2021. It's a severe warning for all of us about letting the wisdom of God be replaced by the wisdom of the world. And this is what Isaiah 5 says. Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, and clever in their own sight. What a severe warning for each one of us. As believers, we need to take God seriously, and ask for his discernment every day, for his godly wisdom, and also for the power and strength to stand firm. Every day we're bombarded. Our children are being bombarded with philosophies that we have allowed to sip in into our lives, into our families, and even into our churches. So we need to be vigilant about those And stand firm on what the word of God says. And today I want to charge you to take care of the foundation of your family. It's been said many times that the family is the building block of society. Right? Most of you have heard that expression. When the family crashes, society crashes as well. And we see evidence of this every day. I think we wouldn't be experiencing such violence and all the manifestations of of evil and selfishness in our nation if the the foundation of families were firmer. And if if, even if us as believers would would stand firm on the word of God. But that's what we have. So even if uh, there is crashing going around us, We don't, we, the crashing of our family should not watch, don't, should not happen under our watch. We should be vigilant so that it doesn't happen. So don't allow temptations and distractions to rob you of the blessing of influencing your family or those closest to you if if you don't have, you know, your family close by. Influence them, again, with the simplicity of the gospel. Take the words of Jesus to heart, and not only listen to them, but be doers of his word. Many of us come to the Lord with a faulty foundation. We, we might not have had anyone in our circle of in, you know, who influenced us to model godly character. One thing that I've heard many times in premarital counseling is people say, all the elders in my family were divorced, so I don't know what a godly marriage looks like. And we need to change that, right? Others have fed uh, carnal, and sensual, uh, carnal and sensual lifestyle and faced difficulties in living a life of purity. And again, it's hard to begin the journey of building a firm foundation. But I'm, I'm convinced, I know, I have experienced it personally, that as you press in faith, you will definitely experience the grace of God and the power of God to sustain you as you build your foundation. The effort is worth it. It's definitely worth it. And it's worth it for you and for those that are around you. I, when I committed myself to Christ almost 40 years ago, I understood the need to seal the cracks in my foundation. And it wasn't just a one-time deal. Every day I need to look at my foundation. Every day I need to examine the foundation. I need to be vigilant of my foundation. Every day. I, I cannot become complacent Thinking, oh, I, I know what there is to know. No, because again, we know that the enemy wants to rub our inheritance and would want for us to change and shift our foundation into his purposes rather than onto the purposes of God. So some of you might be discouraged and must find it difficult. You know, how am I going to do this? Where do I start? And I want to share with you uh, a short story of of a family uh, where there was a dramatic change in foundation. And this was a family that I met through my work uh, some years ago. Uh, I'm going to call her Marcy. Uh, That's not her real name or their real name. Marcy had a traumatic and troubled past that included abandonment of her mother, she witnessed the torture torture and killing of her own father by the guerrillas in her Central American native country, she was molested, she was unable to go to school apart from a first or second grade, she was abused emotionally and, and physically by those who took her in once she became an orphan, and she married very young, uh, because she wanted to escape her situation. So there was a lot of trauma and trials and tribulations in her young life. When I met her, she was in her 20s. And as we got to know each other, uh, oh, one one important uh, thing is that she had four children. They ranged in age from two to nine. So she confided in me... Uh, that she often lost her temper with her children. And she understood that that happened because she had, no, she had not had any good modeling of what parenting should be, healthy parenting should look like. And she had never experienced uh, affect, you know, love, loving care from adults. So she certainly did not know how to raise her children. She also said that she had constant fights with her husband, which included insults on both sides. They had a competition of who could insult the other better almost every day in front of the children. And to make things worse, they were extremely poor. Her husband was starting a business, and and he he was struggling with that, and they it, they were so poor that oftentimes they could not pay their public housing rent, which was very low, or buy food for their family. So, as we visited together in the course of a year, I, I involved her with community, a community group, a small group, where she learned how to discipline her children in a healthy way. And she took it in and applied that information. I brought one of our daughters, came over and tutored her children, that, her school-age children, who were already failing in school. We talked about biblical principles for healthy relationships, and I challenged her to be the one in her marriage to stop the insults and to start showing some kindness, even if she thought that he didn't deserve any kindness. She accepted the Lord and shared about her limited memories of a grandmother who spoke to her about Jesus many, many years before when she was a little girl. So we shared, she accepted the Lord, and in that same season, God is so beautiful, that same season, a neighbor who didn't know her invited her to her church and even uh, told her that she would bring her to church, her, she and her children, the, that she would transport her, them to church. Her husband totally opposed the idea because he thought that it would take time away from her homemaking responsibilities. So what did we do? Rather than say, well, you should, you should get a divorce. You know, I didn't say that, we didn't do that. We, we spoke about strategies, how to continue strategies to negotiate, negotiate with her husband so that she had some freedom to go to church. And even before my eyes, I saw changes. As she slowly built a godly foundation for her family, the atmosphere in her family changed. And the children started doing better in school. Almost, you know, pretty, a few months later, they started doing better in school. Several months later, her husband ventured into church, with her as well, and slowly made the changes that needed to happen in terms of his uh, less abrasiveness as he treated, as he related to his wife and children. And the listening of, and the application of God's word and God's teaching not only reconciled broken hearts in this family and gave the children some peace and joy because there were no more insults and fights before them. But it also built their finances. The husband's business started to take off, and only two years later, they were able to buy a house, their own house. So from poverty to being able to have a safe place to live. So what happened? Marcy and her husband, Turn from being foolish builders into being wise builders. They covenanted with the Lord to demolish the old foundation and build a new one. God can make that possible in your life and in mine. You know, he continues to help us build our foundation. It doesn't matter where you are at present. You might not even have a house to live. You might, your marriage might be in shambles. You might not have enough of anything, but God can come in. Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, when listened to, when applied to our lives, and when they become alive in our, in our, in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our parenting then, you know, something, a miracle happens. There, there is an activation of the power of God in our families, and changes start to happen. It doesn't happen overnight, from one moment to the next, but it does happen. I, I assure you that it, it does happen. It, it, his word will not come void. We're not returned to him void. It will do what it's supposed to do. Our job is only to Listen and apply. Be hearers and doers of his word to establish a firm foundation. So uh, I want to pray, um, and then we're going to read together uh, a declaration. Uh, the declaration is mostly uh, it's, it's um, written to, as, as to family life. But it doesn't matter, you know, apply it to your own life. If you're an, an individual, if, if you're a mom that's raising your children alone, if, if, you know, whatever your circumstance, I want you to, you know, when we stand up, you know, in a minute and declare this word, um, we, we're going to have it um, on the screen, but you also have, you've all received a, a small sheet with the declaration so you can take it home with you as well. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word, for your precious word that transforms our hearts and minds. Lord, I ask you that everyone that has heard this message today about the two builders be able to apply this knowledge and the knowledge of your word to the areas of their lives where their foundation is faulty, Lord, I ask you to encourage each one. Give everyone here the power to hear, the power to understand, the power to stand firm when trials and tribulations come. Lord, some of us don't know, don't know how to live life according to your purposes. But Lord, I I know that you can reveal to them that if they are faithful in listening to your word and if there is a strong desire to covenant with you, you will do the work in them. Lord, I, I bless every individual, every family, every father, every mother here today. Lord, that they turn whatever foolishness that there might be in their lives, Lord, that they turn it They turn away from that and that they become wise builders. And Lord, I know that you can do that. I know that you're doing it even now precisely, that you will continue to do it and that the world will be blessed. Their families will be blessed. Their acquaintances will be blessed. Their their fellow workers will be blessed. Their church members will be blessed because of the way that they are putting every effort and investing everything they have in their spirit to lay a strong and firm foundation. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you. Thank you. It transforms, it revives, it renews. Thank you, Lord, that it be taken seriously this morning and applied to life on a daily basis, that our decisions happen when we first consult you, Lord. That's what we want to do. Look to you. Look to your word. What do you want us to do? Even if it costs us a lot, we want to do your will, God. Bless everyone here, Lord. And as we declare what we're going to be declaring now, that it speaks to their spirit and that there, is, there be a new determination to do what your word says for them to do in their specific situation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your graciousness and your power among us, Lord. Amen. Amen. And let's, so now let's uh, read together. I'm going to lead the reading. And so, you know, come along with me. And these are my words, but now they're going to become your words as well. I will build, and I want everybody to. Uh, say them to me with me I will build my family on the rock Lord I renounce being just a hearer of your word I choose to be a doer putting into practice in all the areas of my life Lord I know that you have designed a family to be a bless and to be a blessing Next one? Oh, it froze. Okay. You all have papers, right? Okay, let's look at the papers right now. So, okay, we are going to start with I submit. Everybody has it? Okay. I submit my imperfect family to your mercy and care. I confess that there are many cracks in the foundations of my life, marriage, and family. I acknowledge that it would be foolish to build on my own opinions and desires. I need your wisdom. I want to honor you with my obedience. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I will watch diligently over my family. I will be its protector. I will put on the full armor of God to stand firm against the devil's schemes anoint me with discernment, courage, and authority. Help me model with conviction my love for you and the values of your kingdom. May purity, love, gratitude, forgiveness, peace, and many others be the inheritance of my children and grandchildren, and may they be extended to future generations. As we go through the rains, storms, and winds, my trust is in you. No matter what difficulties come our way, in your name, my family will prevail. Lord, thank you for the blessing of my family and for the plans for us. Thank you for teaching us to build on a firm foundation, To you be all the glory, amen and amen.